The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 124 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fan. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun episode in store today, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, how's it going, bud? It's going pretty good. We have some nice, warm weather, been outside a good bit. I haven't been to a minor league game in like two weeks now because the drive been out of town, so... I'll change this week, though. I'm looking forward to actually going to be in Atlanta on Tuesday for Braves game and then probably hit the drive a couple times. So definitely need the baseball fix. It's been a couple weeks since I've been to a game. That feels like too long. So, you know, getting right. back at this week. But, uh, yeah, good episode. I'm looking forward to all the questions. Thank you to everyone who submitted it. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, got that. Got a nice uh, dynasty and prospect listener question episode today. We got a bunch of great questions. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that as well. And yeah, I'm also hoping to get out some games this week. In case anybody missed my tweet earlier, I've been dealing with COVID since Thursday morning, so I've been kind of stuck inside my house. I am feeling better now, though. I was not sure I'd be able to record today, yes, as of yesterday, but feeling better. So hopefully, I can test negative soon here because. Got Hartford coming in, which is double A for Colorado. So hoping to get some looks at Ezekiel Tovar, who's having an absolutely dominant season. And we had some questions about him we'll get to here in a little bit. So, yeah, it'll feel good to get back to the ballpark. So, yeah, it's been about a week and a half for, yeah, a week and a half or so since I saw Volpe and Medina come through the uh, week before last. So baseball always cures the soul. And so does warm weather. And we're getting into month of June here. Season is already one third over, Chris. Where has the time gone? It's ridiculous. <laughs> too quick, man. Time is such a thief. It goes too quick. And on a personal note, for, on that on that note here, my daughter just turned ten today on Sunday, which makes me feel incredibly old. So I don't know where the time went with that either. But huh, all right, enough of that. Let's get into this week's episode. But before we do, let's get the housekeeping out of the way here. 
You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel for live prospect video throughout the season. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have going on at Fantrax HQ with multiple fantasy baseball articles coming out every single day. All right. We have so many questions here. We kind of we tried to, like, sort them out as best as possible. We'll go through more of the dynasty-focused ones before the break and then get into the prospect-focused ones after the break. Obviously, there'll be some crossover, but try to sort them out as best as possible. Now, let's start with you know, one, one of the bigger news stories in the prospect world here, even though we're starting with dynasty here. But this has more dynasty ramifications, these questions. Grayson Rodriguez has a strained lap muscle. I think it was a grade two strain. He's going to be out until at least September, but at that point, probably the rest of the season. I can't imagine they rush him back, their prize pitching prospect. So we had a couple of Grayson Rodriguez-focused questions here. First one, should I move Grayson Rodriguez? What should I move Grayson Rodriguez for if I'm in the playoff picture? I just sent him out for Montas to help facilitate a playoff push, and the other one was I have Grayson Rodriguez in a redraft in a keeper league. I don't have a question, but this sucks. Yes, it does suck. <laughs> Absolutely sucks. He's probably going to be up very soon. Obviously not anymore. But that question, what do you trade him for? Montas is a great target. I think they're pretty close in my dynasty rankings. And that's what I would want because I think, Chris, you and I both answered a question earlier today on Twitter and I think answered it similarly that this is not causing us to drop him down our rankings much at all. More of a minor speed bump. We still have huge huge long-term expectations for him so montas or aim montas or higher like you definitely get a top 100 overall dynasty player or higher if you got trade away g-rod because i think he's still gonna be very very special so definitely get a a guy that you think could really give you that huge boost now if you're contending yeah, I agree. I think you have to shoot high. And you you shouldn't just sell to sell, even though you're in a playoff push here, which you know, obviously you want to push the chips in the win, but G Rod's not a piece that you should push unless he's like it's a keeper league where he's just like not gonna be kept, which would be interesting. But you know, I think that Montas is a good place to start. I'm trying to think of another name in that range that you might target. Kind of blanking. The other names seem to be a little higher. Like I don't think you get Joe Musgrove right now. He's pitching probably not. Well. He's he's moved up pretty significantly. See, I'm I'm just pulled up my dynasty rankings here. Let's see, right now I have G Rod ninety four. Oh yeah, going up the list. The next pitcher up is ninety one. Frankie Montas. And then there's Mackenzie Gore eighty seven. Oops, spoiler alert. Zach Gallon. That'd be a good target right yeah, there. It's a good maybe uh, Logan Webb's in that range for me too. He's he has dropped a bit, but. Uh, I'd still be probably okay doing that. Then you're getting a little higher. I, there's a big kind of big jump up to guys like Severino and Gilbert. Maybe a Logan Gilbert might be yeah. a decent target. But yeah, definitely you know, those types of guys are higher. Yeah, definitely don't just sell him just because you're worried. Because the long term, like, he could definitely be a guy that we're talking about as a top five dynasty arm. Like he has that type of upside. So yeah, I definitely agree with what Chris said. Don't just sell just to sell him because he's gonna be special for sure. Anything else you want to add on that, Chris? Nope, I think that covers it. All right. Next question here. This one person has Varsho, Melendez, and Real Muto. It's almost like, you know, 
trade bench and hold or what's that what's that question thing the marry sleep with marry and kill or something like that <laughs> um it kind of was sort of like that but yeah he's got three catchers first Joe melendez and rio muto who to trade slash hold in a one catcher dynasty league that's a good question i'm kind of leaning towards trading real muto holding varsho what are your thoughts chris yeah i would probably trade real muto it's an interesting time i think his value is kind of low so you could potentially buy low but it depends on what you can get for him i i do think that varsho is the hold here i'm gonna look up how many games he's been behind the plate if he does lose that eligibility in your league then he could be one where you, you trade he's gonna I be believe, yeah i believe he's gonna retain it though i think he's started enough since the kelly one on the il i believe True. i didn't even think about that but yes he started 16 games and had 20 at the position so he'll definitely retain it so I still think I'd probably trade Real Muto. I just wonder if his value, his stock could continue to kind of trend downward. And if that's the case, then you know I kind of want to get out from under him right now. Yes, same here. It's obviously these catchers don't usually age gracefully. And I'm not, I don't think there's going to be like a massive decline in Real Muto anytime soon, but I, I definitely would want to keep Varsha. Melendez, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm still kind of feeling out Melendez. I still think, you know, the power is legit. I just want to see where the where the average ends up, how the approach kind of settles in at the major league level. So he's kind of a wait and see. But yeah, hold Varsho, trade Riamuto, and I'm wait and see on Melendez. A couple Trevor Rogers questions here, which was not surprising. One person asked, is Trevor Rogers worth a big bid if dropped in Dynasty? This was in the 10-teamer. And then the other question, what's Trevor Rogers' current value among other SPs? Is he a buy slash hold slash sell? Chris, if you if you was dropped in your 10 team dynasty, would you how big would you bid on Trevor <laughs> Rogers? I don't know. Honestly, like ten, <laughs> with 10 teams, like that's so shallow. So it kind of yeah. makes me really kind of hesitant to make a huge move for him. I mean, likely like yeah, he could bounce back and and be fine, but I mean, I probably would put up you ten know, percent of the budget on him just to kind of see, because he you know, he could easily return value and end up being a solid SP long term. He's still young, so right. I think he's worth a run at least. Ten team makes it a little little tougher, but I, I would say probably ten percent of your budget there. Looking at current value though, that's really tough. Like. I don't know. I'm just thinking about guys like who would I rather have them? Like, would I rather have him or Jameson Tyon rest of the season? Are you talking for us? That's a good question. I mean, eat dynasty is easy. I mean, yeah, Tyon has been like, yeah, he's not getting the case, but the ratio has been really good. All the ratios for every Yankees pitcher have been pretty good. <laughs> like, they've given up what, like two earned runs in the last five starts. Combined, it's ridiculous. It's but the fact that we even have to think about this yeah. is this speaks volumes. I know rest of the season. See where where do they have him? I quickly pull up my rest of the season twenty twenty two starting pitcher rankings. I do every week. I had him fifty third last week, and where did I have tie on? I probably had tie on too low. I can't even find. I tie him seventy two, but. Uh, that gap is closing in a hurry. He's probably more in the 60s for me now. He's just 
every time I, I keep thinking he's going to snap out of it, and he's puts up another clunker, another underwhelming performance. For Dynasty, he's dropped a ton for me. Like the last update, I had him at 105. He's now down to 154, right between Aaron Ashby and Rowanzi Contreras. And obviously, those two are trending up, and Rodgers is tw- trending down. So that's, I don't know where that is among starting pitchers. I think that's probably. 55th to 60th for starting pitchers for dynasty ranks if i had to venture a guess but he's definitely trending the wrong way yeah all right so dynasty garrett whitlock or trevor rogers whitlock hasn't looked great either i'm th- pretty sure i still yeah i have rogers ahead i've I've moved Whit- whitlock was in this range and i dropped him down a good 40 50 spots yeah he's at 193 so yeah i was i would go rogers but i don't know that, that is that is tough who Let's see. Let me do one for you. Who would you rather have? All right. Let's go with another struggling arm here. That's actually in the same range for me. Rogers or Jose Barrios long-term, Chris? Man, I I still think Barrios just gets back to being the consistent player that he is. So I, I probably lean Barrios there. See, I don't. Not, not to get on a Barrios tangent. I think he's a bounce back. But like I said, I would use that 13K outing he had. Yeah, was it yesterday or the day before to – See if you can sell because I do think he's a bounce back, but I think a lot of the metrics I'm not encouraged that he's a bounce all the way back. Yeah. So I I would still go Rogers here, but I don't really know if I want. I don't think I want to invest heavily in either of these two right now unless they I can get them for a really really <laughs> good price. You know, it's like not these aren't the guys I'm like running out to get right now. If I had to go buy low in one, probably be uh, Rogers. But yeah, he's definitely not a desirable guy right now. That's for sure. But a guy that is, Mackenzie Gore, he just continues to get better. Had a, one of his best, maybe the best start of his career the other day. So we had a couple of questions on him. First question, his first question was actually multiple questions in one. But Mackenzie Gore has been unbelievable to start the year. Yes, he has. What's his ceiling now? Is he a top 15 dynasty pitcher and top 20 rest of season if they let him pitch without limiting him? And then the other one was uh, Mackenzie Gore, long-term ceiling. And then someone replied with, think Randy Johnson. Okay, first off, <laughs> calm down. All right. <laughs> Randy Johnson is one of the best lefties, one of the best pitchers of all time. So let's calm down on that. But in terms of his ceiling, so I'll admit I was a bit hesitant to kind of revert back to the the ceiling that we all thought he had pre all the you know command issues and whatnot of 2021. But I think he's basically shown that he's back to that. He's blowing through all expectations right now. So I think he can be a top 20 dynasty arm long-term and rest of season. I think he's definitely earned the right to be in that conversation. I now have him for rest of season. I had him 33 last week. That was before this start. I probably going to bump him up Yeah, right in that Scooball, Freed, Montas range. I think he's earned the right to be in there. That's right around 2021, 20, 22 overall. Dynasty, as I mentioned, he's moved into my top 100 overall. I have him at 87 at this very current point in time, which I think is, again, around the low 20s for Dynasty arms. So, yeah, he keeps us going. That He's going to be in the top 20 for both before too long. He's definitely earned that right. Yeah, I don't disagree. I'm interested to see, like, will he keep throwing the fastball at such a sustained rate? I mean, 
you know, he's using it 63.7% of the time. I mean, it's working. Like, you can't argue with the results, but still, it just seems interesting. Like, his secondaries are all so good. I'd really love to see him mix the change up more. I mean, throwing it exclusively to right-handed batters right now, but using it as 5.5% of the time, it's been highly effective when he's throwing it. So, I'd really like to see him up the slider and curve usage and even the change-up some. And, you know, if he did, like, I could really see him taking off – Maybe it's just kind of a comfortability thing right now with the fastball. And I actually need to look and see if he's seen the pitch mix change like throughout the season, like by game. So I'm looking at it now, he's still sustained the fastball at pretty high usage every start. But I don't know. I mean, the curveball is definitely coming around. He's using it consistently more each start. I like to see that. Overall, I just think he's really good and really back to who he is. He's in. I mean, obviously pitching with a lot of confidence right now, which was a big thing for him. So I think it could carry him a long way. So I don't see why he couldn't be top 20 rest of the season. Innings, I guess, could be a concern. We talked about the limitations there. But Dynasty top 15, I don't see why not at this point. He's he's really proving everything that he needed to prove at this point. And he's consistently done it against some good teams too. It's not like he's faced an easy schedule that he's just blowing everybody away. I mean, right. his last outing was against the Brewers, who are a fine team, a good lineup. He dominated. I mean, the Pirates, surprisingly, are a good team. The Giants, the Phillies, Cubs, the Guardians, like the Braves. There's been some good teams he's faced, and he's just performed. So, you know, at this point, like, it's hard to argue with the results. Yeah, it definitely is. I threw us some Dynasty Heat check polls from our uh, Fantrax Toolshed Twitter account a few hours ago. Let's see where they're at here. So I started out with, I put him against Jack Flaherty, which I knew he'd win. He's got 80% of that vote. Gore against Logan Webb. Gore has 60% of that vote. Gore against Giolito. Gore only has 40% there. And then Gore against Freddy Peralta. It's actually very close, 49% to 51% for Peralta. So uh, yeah, I think for dynasty ranks, he's at least in the you know common conception is that he's probably or perception I should say is that he's probably in that sixteen to twenty range, which is definitely fair. All right, Chris, I'll put you on the spot. Who would you rather have dynasty right now? You're on the clock. Gore or Freed? Who you got? Mm-hmm. Might lean Gore for strikeouts and just for age and upside. Love Freed, obviously, but I think the the ceiling's kind of capped, and we know what he is. Like he's a good high end SP two, but I'd rather bank on Gore being a SP one. Yeah, I think they could do like similar ratios, but with a little more K upside for Gore. I think that's yeah the difference there. So I think I would lean Gore as well, which means I have to change my rankings. I think I have freed a little bit ahead of Gore right now. So it's good that we talked this out on the spot here and yeah. adjust our rankings on the fly. That's All nice. right, I think that was it for Gore questions. Let me just double check. Make sure I didn't miss any Gore questions. No, that was it. All right, moving over to a hitter here who's actually been a little bit better of late, but overall very very poor season. Question says Trent Grisham has been miserable. His K percentage is down. His chase is excellent, and his walk rate is highest it's ever been. Is there a light at the end of this tunnel? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like he's. Always been a guy that has those certain bright spots of the you know the underlying metrics, but can't put it together for you know on the surface for so, for one reason or another. I don't know. Is he this bad? Probably not. But is he as good as he was you know a couple years ago when he kind of broke out with the Padres? I don't think so. Probably somewhere in the middle. And how valuable is that really? 
Yeah, that's the biggest concern really for me. It's just when you mention all those things, like what what is the deal and why is he producing like that when he's not chasing and he's obviously performing you know, okay from that standpoint of walks, but and the strikeouts are down, but he's just too passive, I think. He's just getting in pitchers' counts. He's not getting good pitches to hit. That's honestly my opinion of him. I think that there can be a thing where pitchers are just way too passive, and that's really the case. You know, He doesn't swing and miss often, but he gets a ton of called strikes. I mean, his called strike rate right now is 22.5%, which is pretty high. I mean, CSW is up near 32%, and that's with a below 10% swinging strike rate. So his swing percent this year is just 36.8%. I just ain't going to cut it, in my opinion. So I think he's too selective, and it's – really costing him getting behind you know pretty easily like early in counts getting behind like that's that's going to hurt you so i think that that's really the biggest thing here and he's got to just swing the bat more i mean the mlb average this year is 48 percent swing rate and his is at 36.8 so that kind of tells you everything you need to know in my opinion so just get the bat off your shoulder and swing and make things happen yeah that's uh, that's always the you know it's always a start right there, but the zone contact isn't great. 77% quality of contact is even worse. Hard hit rate, 26.7%. Barrel rate, 5.8%. Not a lot of good stuff there. He's got a good sprint speed, but he only has one steal. and doesn't help that he's got an OBP under 300. Can't even get on base enough to try to steal. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'm really wanting to buy into Grisham right now. I think he's better than this i don't think he's a 179 hitter but he's not much more than you know his career average is about two 232 so 230 to 240 with maybe 15 to 20 home runs and a handful of steals i think he can get back to that point but how valuable is that especially if he's not going to be hitting near the top of the order anymore he's not going to have a lot of runs scored to go with that which is kind of like what elevated his value a couple years ago it's not a lot to like here Sticking in the National League West, another hitter that's had a very tough season, Max Muncie. We had a question on him. It says, what are your what are the thoughts on the near future value this season and next of Max Muncie? I think it's he's still. I don't know if he's being hampered by the the elbow or if he's it's just like a subconscious thing and he's worried about re-injuring it. I'm not sure, but you look at you know the approach is still phenomenal. He's a 20.2% walk rate, 22% K rate, but at the same time, he's being very passive as well. Maybe that's because he's worried about swinging too much. His swing rate is 33.8%. That's about three percentage points lower than Grisham's. And the quality of contact is okay, but it's down. So you got to wonder if it's, if it's still hampering him or if it's a mental thing. So this year, expecting much. I think he'll get better as the season goes on. But I think next year is a year where he'll bounce back and probably have uh, one of his, you know, a, a pretty good season again, a real nice bounce back season. So this year, not expecting much though. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I agree. I think there's definitely a lingering injury issue here. Obviously, he's on the IL again, but you look and it's a kind of similar thing that we see with Grisham, where he's not chasing, he's walking a ton. But I really think that it's going to take him some time to heal. So I think next season, really, you can go all in on him. But he'll be a great buy next year if he continues to be poor this year. But, yeah, I'm not expecting a ton in 2022, at least. Yeah, I totally forgot that he went back on the IL. That's how uh, 
That's much I've been paying attention to Max Muncie this year. He's been so bad. So was it the elbow that put him back in the IL, Chris? Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, so it is still hampering him. But yeah, I totally forgot that he went on the IL. Even though I did, I did see that because I have him a couple of teams. But yeah, not uh, not looking good for him the rest of this year. We get some uh, pitcher questions here, starting with Jeffrey Springs. has been a nice little pop-up over the last uh, few weeks or so. It says, Jeffrey Springs, what's his value? Will he stick around as an starting pitcher or go to the bullpen for the Rays? That is the million-dollar question for the Rays. Let me pull up their their depth chart here. They do have Shane Boz back very soon. I think he made another rehab outing today on Sunday. So got to wonder how that shakes out once he's back. Let's see here. But I think Springs is definitely well enough as a starter to remain in the rotation. Like I don't think that's a question. He's ERA south of two, more than a, a K per inning. He's definitely proven he can. So obviously the rotation, McClanahan, Rasmussen, Yarbrough, Springs, and Kluber. So somebody gets the bump. It's probably not Kluber. Probably Yarbrough. So I think there's a good chance that he's not the first guy bumped out when Boz comes back. It's probably Yarbrough, if I had to venture a guess. It, actually, it might be Kluber. It's not like Kluber's been that great this year either. So if Spring keeps pitching well, I think he stays in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. Like, the Rays are definitely interesting, but, I mean, he's proven he can pitch six innings. I mean, in his last three outings, he's at least gone five every time. He's gone five and two-thirds, six, and then five, you know, facing – 21, 23, and 20 batters. So he's proving that he can pitch deep enough in the games. I mean, even one of those was against the Yankees where he pitched really well. So I think they're trusting him right now. So I don't I don't see why he wouldn't stick in the rotation, at least for the time being. But, you know, now he's proving he can go deep enough. So I think he'll be fine long-term. So I think he stays in and is a solid pitcher. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think Yarbrough was the first one to get the bump because – He's been pitching very well here. 188 ERA, 086 whip. Yes, a lot of that was in the bullpen. He's made six starts now, but he's you know, limiting hard contact pretty well this season. He's mixing he's got a four-seamer changeup and a slider. Uh, changeup is a 41.1% whiff rate on it. All of them have a batting average against under 220. Both the off-speed have a slugging allowed of 250 or less. Four-seamer is getting hit a little bit hard, but... And he's not a hard thrower, not averaging 91.6 on the four seam. But, yeah, he's definitely proven that he can at least be should be given a shot here to stick in the rotation moving forward, even when Boz is back. Next one was on Nick Pavetta, who's been on a nice little run here. Question was, are you guys buying into Nick Pavetta's recent success? Chris, are you buying in? For the time being, I think, he's always got potential to – you know, just be Nick Pavetta again. You know, we've seen him have those flashes of brilliance and look great, and then he can fall off, you know, as quick as can be. So he is 29. It feels like he's kind of been around for forever. So it is somewhat surprising to see him still not even 30 yet. It's interesting profile, honestly. He's allowed a lot of hard hit balls, but you know, he's kind of just making it work. And it seems that he's just kind of been trending in that positive direction. And you look, and he's going deep into games, everything you like to see. I mean, at least six innings in every start since May 7th, which is phenomenal. And the worst outing of those was 
a three earned run outing, six innings. So I don't know. I mean, to me, I'm buying to an extent what he's doing, but I'm having a hard time like getting my brain to actually believe that it is sustainable <laughs> because it's Nick Pavetta. Dude, I 100% right there with you with that. Yeah, it's funny. The last time he didn't have a quality start was on May 1st against Baltimore of all teams. Since then, he's some pretty solid teams like the White Sox, Houston, Texas. Does have the last two starts were against Oakland and Baltimore, which, you know, I can almost throw quality starts against Oakland and Baltimore these days. But yeah, I, I, I'm i mostly buying in. Like, you look at the, the metrics there. They're pretty solid. He's got 350 ERA, 23.8%, or should be 23.3% strikeout rate. And he's always been, you know, right in that low to mid 20% K rate range. So that's sustainable. You know, X ERA last year was 381. He pitched better as the season wore on last year. So I don't see why this kind of level of, of performance isn't at least somewhat attainable the rest of the way. Is that super sexy? No, but is it worth a, a back end spot guy that can. He's kind of a safe guy. Doesn't have a lot of clunkers in there. Uh, you might not be a guy that helps you lead you to a championship or anything like that. But it's a, a good guy to stabilize the back end of your rotation, especially if you get deal with a lot of injuries right now. So, yeah, I think he's definitely worth uh, holding on to. This is just, just see how long this hot streak can last. Moving on, next question was a, a bit tongue in cheek, obviously, but who should go one one in dynasty drafts and why is it Joe Ryan? <laughs> obviously, it's not Joe Ryan. But I, I, I don't know if that was actually a. a question about who should go one one for pitchers but or just somebody wanted to get a uh, nice little compliment in for joe ryan but joe ryan's been yeah he's been pretty damn good this year eight starts 228 era 099 whip i think ryan's in like the sp40 range for me right now for both redraft and dynasty leagues obviously i don't think there's a lot more upside to be had here but yeah he's definitely been impressive but one one for me it's still it's uh, still Corbin Burns. My one-two for pitchers is Garrett Cole. One-three is Shane McClanahan. And then I think the conversation starts. Yeah, you can go any direction at that point. So, you know, one-one overall, I'd probably still go Acuna, like of anybody. But pitchers, it's Burns and Cole. Gosh, the third spot's tough. But McClanahan's made the fair argument. So, yeah, love Joe Ryan, though. So I enjoy that good comment about him. Yeah, and one-one overall, it's... I think a lot. There's no clear cut guy right nope. now because obviously I love Soto and I sucks that he's in a crappy situation offensively there in Washington, but he's, he's in for a lot of power stealing some bags this year, but the average is low, but he still has an OBP of 400. Uh, he says he's got a couple home runs the last few days. Obviously he's in that mix, especially in OBP formats. Acuna's in that mix. Tatis, I think can still be at least in that conversation, even though he's injured a lot. Like there's no clear cut one. Cause after that, you get into that second tier. Of guys like, like Vlad Jr., who's had a bit of a struggle here this year, at least to his standards. Trey Turner's been, you know, good but not great. Boba Shett, same thing, good but not great. He's finally coming on. So yeah, there's not really any clear cut one. I think it's still that top three, but there's no really no like, all right, this is the guy like we've had for you know in the last several years. It's kind of the format dependence. Back to another pitcher here. Where do you see Roanzi Contreras end up in terms of dynasty starting pitcher rankings by season's end? Where do you, what do you think, Chris? I think he could be top 50 dynasty arm. I love the talent. I really do. I love the arsenal. And he's done nothing but perform. So, you know, if this keeps up, he maybe could push top 40, maybe even higher. I don't know. I keep talking myself into going higher when I keep <laughs> you know, looking 
into what he's doing. But, I mean, it's hard to argue with results and with the arsenal that he has. I mean, daggum. I mean, he could – he has a lot of upside. But I, I feel comfortable saying he end up top 50. But then I look at so similar pitchers based on velocity and movement. Dylan Cease, Justin Verlander, Ooh. Spencer Strider, Ooh. Tyler McGill – Josh Winder, that's a fun group, right ooh, there. That is, oh, that is a that's a very enticing group. And I'll even say, I already have him. I just, I just kind of uh, filtered my dynasty spreadsheet. And I I gave him a big bump earlier this afternoon when I was kind of going through it. I actually have him fifty first among mm-hmm. dynasty arms right now. He's actually right between Rogers and Barrios, who are fifty and fifty two, respectively. So, yeah, he's right in that range. Another. Um, some other guys here, Montgomery's in that range, Kyle Wright, Nestor Cortez, though I, I want to go higher on him, but something's holding me back from going too much higher on Cortez. Gonsolin, Sonny Gray, McGill, Hunter Green. So there's some more guys in that range. Aaron Ashby, Bassett, Eovaldi, those are guys going up from him there. So, yeah, I think he's definitely, in terms of talent, he's up, he's up now, and he should stay up moving forward, assuming everything goes well. Yeah, I definitely think uh, top 50 is very fair. And moving forward, I can see him, I mean, going up. So, see, top – see, who's, who's number 30 for me? Number 30 right now is – that. that's Tyler Glass now, and that's getting top 100 territory. So, I think he could get top 35 or so. I don't know if he's got, like, S, you know, long-term SP2 upside, but SP3 upside for sure. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I mean, the talent is – more than there, he's young and dominating the arsenal, as I mentioned, just extremely good. So, you know, the, the upside's pretty endless here. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, get one more dynasty one in before the break. I'm in a position to win my dynasty league in a, right now in a win now mode. When teams ask for Corbin Carroll, who's on his this person's uh, minor league farm roster in trades, will it be appropriate value or do I make him almost off limits? Bonus. Edwin Arroyo or Michael Massey is an upside dynasty pick. Uh, real quick, I'll go Arroyo on that one. And yeah, definitely Corbin Carroll was like pushing top 50 dynasty value for me. He's got Trey Turner upside. Not opposed to trading him. Like I'm not opposed to trading any prospect uh, in a win now situation. But this is a guy that he's not far off. Like we could see him, you know, probably not this year, but early next year. So it's not like he's two, three years away. And the upside that he has, I would aim top 50 or higher. If you can get a great return, like, for instance, if you were able to get – let's just stick with outfielders here. If you were able to get a like a Cedric Mullins or something like that, I would go for it. Or if you were to get a pitcher like a Cease or, or Urias or Trevor Story, Aaron Nola, something like that as a top 50 guy, sure, but – that would be the only way I would trade Corbin Carroll right now. Yeah, I probably wouldn't trade him for much. Like, it would have to be something that like highly benefited my team because I think his value is just only going to go up Agreed. even more. So, in that sense, like he's really a hold unless you're like blown away. But also Arroyo for the pick between him or Massey. But Massey, Massey's definitely on the rise. So we talked about him yeah. so last week. We talked about yep. him. Sure did. But yeah, but I think in terms of upside, I think the uh, upside edge goes to Arroyo. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side, get into some prospect questions. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. All right, welcome back from the break. Before we get into our prospect questions, let's play another game of MLB Pickle. Again, this is the MLB player guessing game. That's like Wordle. So let's start off. Chris, give who's your first uh, opening guess here? I don't know why. Evan Longoria. <laughs> all right. And we'll, we'll alternate like we did last week. If you guys don't like us doing this and want us to stop, just tweet at us. We'll stop <laughs> doing it. We thought it was a fun little thing to do. All right. So Evan Longoria. So it is a right-handed a player that throws right, hits right, and is born in the U.S., but it's not in the NLS. Not even I don't think he's in the National League. So let's go. So someone USA. Let's go. Let's go. Mike Trout. Let's get over to the American League. All right. So didn't really get much closer. Same th- three things. Still in green. It is in the American League. Not a center fielder or a third baseman or anywhere near the ages of thirty to thirty-six. Hmm. Let's see. What about Xander Bogars? He's not born in the U.S. Though. Oh, no, that was dumb. <laughs> I, I didn't hit enter. I'll let you get another one in. Oh, Ryan Mountcastle. All right, so it is the American League East, and it's someone near 25 years old, but not a first baseman. So not first, third, or center. American League East, the other four teams. And it's not Baltimore, so. Near 25 years old. It's not mm-hmm. Baltimore. It's a righty. Let's go. No, he's a lefty. Story's too old. No, Story's is near twenty-five. So I think that means it's either twenty-four it's, or twenty-six. Yeah, it's within one. So. All right. So Tampa, Tor- Toronto. Ooh, let's go. Let's go some Bobichet action here. Mm, that was what I was gonna say. Ooh, we're close. So it is Toronto. And it is someone that's 24, but not a shortstop. So another right-handed hitter that's 24 in Toronto. Mm. Is Vlad's not 24 is yet, is he? Mm, but no. he was born. He's Dominican Republic anyway. U, a U.S. born hitter is 24, not short, third, first, or center field. Who is in that lineup? They're all. I feel really dumb. Like. I mean, I'm thinking of, but I'm like, who is 24? I have, a, I have a guess. I mean, is it is it our boy Alejandro Kirk? Is he? I don't uh, think he was he's born not in the even. US. He's not even. I was thinking. I was thinking of the other catcher though, Danny Jansen, possibly. Let's throw him in. There's not. Oh, Jansen's 27, so it's oh, not Jansen. Brutal. So it's okay. So it, we have left. Uh, we have four guesses left. So it's second. So it's either second base, left field. Or right. I think I know. Is it right. is it Kevin Biggio? He's the only other one I can think that's close to that age. No, he's he's older. Oh no, he bats left too. Shoot. Oh dang it. Who's another righty batter who's twenty four in Toronto? <laughs> I mean Springer is older. 
Yes, it's not Springer. It's not Vlad. It's not T. Oscar. Everyone else is older. Or just Guriel's older. Dude, this is. It's probably a bench. It's probably a bench player. They they've Uh, had bench players before. Who's their second baseman right now? Why am I drawing a blank on who their second baseman is? Espinal. Oh yeah, they brought up Espinal. I'm pretty sure he's above 24. Oh, who is this? All right, we we got to get this, Chris. We don't. We can't be losing on our second one. I have zero clue though. So what positions are eliminated? Second base, no. Um, third base, center field, first base, shortstop, and catcher. Oh, you know what? We haven't even thought of pitcher. That's what it is. Oh, do oh, it's, it's, Man- it's Alex Manoa. <laughs> Manoa, yeah. I don't know why we were not thinking pitchers. Yeah, it's Manoa. There we go. Uh, so that's what happens. If we don't eliminate half the player pool. There we go. Mm-hmm. All right, two in a row. Alec Manoa is this episode's MLB pickle answer. All right. Get into the prospect questions here. All right. First question says, I have a fairly dumb question. Could you share why the prospect rating system is 20 to 80? It feels weird and arbitrary. It kind of does. And I didn't have the exact answer to this, but I looked it up earlier. And Kylie McDaniel, who used to be with Fangraphs and a couple of MLB teams, now at ESPN, wrote something on this several years back on Fangraphs, where basically he said that obviously 50 is average, which is, fair and then i think that the assumption is three standard deviations either way gives you like 99.7 percent of players or whatever it was so that's why they 60 70 80 and they stopped at 80 and then 20 the other way so i think that's the uh i'm sure and kyle mcdaniel was obviously one of the most knowledgeable prospect guys in the world so i think that is a great answer there so anything to add to that chris no, and nobody wants to get a zero grade. So twenty at least better than a zero. <laughs> I know, right? Like you gotta have like, and it's, it's funny. Even like speed, like Pujols is twenty grade speed, but he has some speed. It's like he can't move, so that's still twenty. All right, into some other questions here. In a win now scenario for Dynasty, when is the right time to flip a prospect who gets called up midseason, like a Nolan Gorman, for example, for a win now piece? Just curious about your general strategy in this type of scenario, Chris. You want to take that one? And it's a really tough balance. Obviously, you want someone like Gorman who could be around long-term and contribute, but also there's the factor of people get really hype on prospects and you can flip them in and get a lot. Now, you run the risk because a prospect like Gorman could have debuted and been awful and sent back down. So if you don't trade him beforehand, you, you just run the risk where he loses a ton of value. But with someone who does come up and perform well, it throws a few more wrenches into the situation here. But I think that to some extent, you know, most rookies are going to struggle. So if you could flip Gorman for you know, something really good, I'd say if you can flip Gorman for like a top 100 type guy, then I would. If you know, it's kind of, it depends on the player, but you know, you look at a prospect and, you, and if you're blown away, then you make the deal if it helps you win now. But in some cases, it's more reasonable to hold. So it just, it's all dependent. It's hard to answer. But, you know, if you feel like you're getting significant value, then you do it. And it's worth the risk. You know, it's worth the risk that even if that prospect does blow up and is really good in the future, like, you know, flags do fly forever. So if you get a piece that helps you now, then then it's a win. Yeah. No, totally agree there. Uh, that- don't regret much to add to that, so we'll move right on. 
when will Brennan Davis and Max Meyer get called up? Well, Davis just had back surgery the other day. So he's, I believe, out for the season or damn close to it. So, And he was not doing well at all anyway. So I wouldn't expect Davis this season at all. Meyer is, I believe, still on the minor league IL with, I think he had like arm irritation. But the last I heard was that they didn't expect it to keep him out long. He has not made a start since the 17th. So he's been out about eh, th- almost three weeks now. But I think he should be back in the near future so probably maybe see him well this this probably gives him a little bit of time to you know, keep him down there as he had two bad starts in a row before going on the il so i wouldn't expect to see him till after the all-star break probably yeah late july would be my yeah. guess yeah if he was pitching well before that maybe but it's brought up cabrera i think they and they have plenty of their other options as well so i think they'll give him some time to get get back and, and not rush him back either so but yeah davis i think is done for the year after largely being ignored mason Wynn is improving as the competition is when do you see him being a factor in st louis and alec burleson another overlooked hitter stroking it well this year uh, does he get a look this summer probably I, I could see him like they've already obviously brought up Yepes and Gorman. Burleson's probably next in line. They also have a lot of other options too. So I don't think there's a clear path for Burleson to get. They already have a lot of guys that play his position, but I could see him if there's another injury. He's probably one of the next guys up in terms of when I don't see him being up this year, but he's definitely a guy. We talked about him recently on tool shed, uh, especially if the power continues to come along, like there's top 50 or higher upside in his profile. So maybe mid about this time next year, I could think you could see him called up, but I don't think anytime before then. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I don't, I mean, wins obviously a long way out, even though he's been really good. Burleson could go either way. I mean, I love what he's done, but where does he fit? So, that's really the struggle here. It'd take a couple injuries, I think, for for him to get a look. But yeah, I don't know. It's both those are really tough to gauge. The Cardinals are kind of tough to gauge, and you know, you never know though. So I'm sorry, I don't have a great answer for for Burleson. Yeah, no, it's 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 hard to answer that about Burleson because we kind of were asking these similar questions last year and even earlier this year. And when do we see Gorman? When do we see Yepes? Even like Lars Newtbar was factoring into the mix. There's not a lot of open spots there. So if it was, if he was on another team, probably would have already been called up, but this is really no spot for him. But yeah, I I could definitely see him if there's an injury or two, uh, maybe later on this summer for sure. Uh, Next question. Any chance we see Cade Cavalli before end of season? If so, what are the expectations for Kate Caval, yeah, I think you definitely can see him. It's obviously, the Nats are just a mess right now. Definitely could use a, a boost everywhere, really. So I can see them giving Cavalli a shot here at some point this summer. He's up in triple air right now. Ratios are high, but the K rate is still good, but the walk rate's high. So I think, obviously, they'll give him a chance as a starter moving forward. He's one of their prized prospects, and I think they're going to give him a pretty long leash to try to make it as a starter. Whether that works out or not, I think it's still up in the air because of the control uh, and command issues. But he's going to strike out a lot of bats, so maybe he's one of those guys that has the you know low to mid four ERA, a little bit higher WHIP, one three, one three five, one four, something like that. So not terrible ratios, but the K rate will definitely help. But he's probably going to be one of those guys that's just pretty 
inconsistent start to start, and that's kind of where he's been this year. He'll throw up a clunker. He'll give up like six, seven earned in one outing. The next outing, he's like seven innings, one run, nine Ks. Seems to you know be very up and down in terms of his consistency, which I think is going to be an issue for him. So um, that's kind of my expectations for him. He's a guy I'm fading a bit right now just because I don't like guys like that. I tend to shy away from those types of inconsistent arms because they usually don't work out long-term, but at least the strikeouts will be there. That's kind of where I'm at on him. Well, where are you at on Cavalli, Chris? Yeah, he's definitely fading pretty quick. and He's been not great, and the strikeout numbers since he's been to AAA have been brutal. And you know, Last year, he went from high all the way to AAA, which was encouraging, but in AAA, he had just a 19.8% strikeout rate, and this year has just a 21.5% K rate, and he's not getting any swings and misses. Like a 10.4% swinging strike rate just isn't going to get the job done. Now, you look, the ERA is a little bit you know, inflated. He does have a pretty low strand rate, which has hurt him, and the FIP is 359, which is good. And you know the last couple starts have been incurred. On May 17th, he allowed five earned runs over two-thirds of an inning, then bounced back and allowed one earned run over five innings. Then his most recent start, he went seven innings with no earned runs and six Ks. So it's definitely encouraging. I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's ready, but he could get a shot late in the season. But at the same time, like the Nats really have no incentive to bring him up. Like, I mean, they're you know one of the worst ball clubs in in all of baseball. So there's no real incentive to get him up and start his service clock. I think he's still got stuff to prove at AAA. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Cole Henry before he does. Yeah, I can see that too. Cole Henry, I think, is better. I've moved Cole Henry ahead of my rankings. I still am a little upset. I didn't get to see him live a few weeks back. Still have no clue why he didn't pitch in that series. I never found out why. He went on like a 12-day hiatus without pitching. Didn't see anything about an injury or whatnot. But yeah, I definitely... And, and Cavalli even had a 10K outing yesterday on Saturday. So he's been three straight good starts. K-Rate's taking back up. I, I, I think the k will be fine long-term. I'm not overly worried about that after seeing his stuff live. But this is everything else I'm still kind of wishy-washy on. So moving on, next one on the list here. What's the timeline for Yuri Perez and how do you project him? Man, Yuri Perez, in terms of timeline, this is exceeding all any expectations here. He's 19 years old in AA and just keeps getting stronger and stronger every month. I'm fully buying. I think we talked about him recently as well, so I won't go super deep into Yuri Perez here, but he's got three really good pitches here. He's he's polished, his command, his feel. It's all, you know, taking those steps forward that you like to see. And he's still dominating competition that's two, three years older than he is. Definitely buying. He's a, I think he's a top five or at least top six pitching prospect right now. And I think we see him mid to late. 2023 i think he gets up to triple a for you know a taste of that end of this year and then starts at triple a next year gets a good half season there and he's probably up around the all-star break next year as a 20 year old just kind of like how they did with uh, jose fernandez so many years ago rest you know rest in peace but uh, yeah i think he's a uh, frontline starter in the making and top potential top 10 15 fantasy arm i'm like he's giving me no reason not to think that anymore i'm, I'm done you know tempering my expectations with Yuri Perez. Right. He just keeps dominating and dominating and dominating some more. So it's it's hard to, you know, argue with what he's done. So yeah, I'm I'm in on him. And I think that mid next season's reasonable, which is nuts, but 
that's just the timeline at this point. It's how he's progressing. He's progressed well. So I don't I don't really see why we wouldn't see him, you know, mid next year. Yeah, like I said, it seems crazy. But yeah, he's probably gonna be up at twenty years old. Like they they have shown that they want to promote him fairly aggressively, and he's responded to every single promotion. And he won't even be twenty until right around the time the season starts next year. I think his birthday is in like mid April. So yeah, it's if you haven't gone all in on your Perez, you know what are you waiting on at this point? Next question among pitching prospects here. Who do you like best for 2022 among the pitching prospects who have not debuted yet? Well, my answer two days ago would have been Grayson Rodriguez, but obviously can't say him anymore. So among pitching prospects that have not debuted, I know that a lot of them have gotten the call recently. Let's see. Let's see who haven't debuted. I will go. So Max Myers currently hurt. G-Rod's hurt. Miller's. I don't know. There's not really anybody else that I'm looking at to make a big time impact this year. Really, it was G-Rod and Meyer left. Like we could see Bobby Miller later on, but there's no open spot for him. We could see Brayon Bayo in Boston. You know, maybe we see one of the two guys in Washington that we just mentioned. You know, maybe we see Battenfield in Cleveland. Maybe we see Cantorino or Woodrichson in Minnesota, but there's not really any names that are really sticking out here outside of, you know, the two hurt guys of Rodriguez and Meyer. Yeah, the underrated one, in my opinion, is Hayden Wesneski. He's pitched really well in the Yankees AAA. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get a call soon, and Brayan Bayo is my other one. I think he could, you know, get some run in Boston later this season. So either of those are ones that I would say, you know, soon we'll get the chance potentially and have some some decent upside some sneaky upside at that yeah no bayo definitely i think he's gonna get the call here by the end of the season wesneski's a good one as well i just wonder like he doesn't have like the yankees rotation is absolutely you know cruising right now so i think it might right. take an injury though we've seen you know several guys in that rotation aren't exactly the most durable especially like tie on so i think he's probably next guy up but who knows they've seen you know, they might turn to, uh, they have a few other options too. So we'll see. But yeah, Wazneski definitely has been performing very well in AAA for the Yankees, that is for sure. But yeah, for me, I guess it's Bayo and then maybe Max Meyer when he gets back healthy. Those are really the two that I'm the most excited about the rest of the season. Next one here, any news on Blaze Jordan and what is the up, what is his, his upside? He's He started to turn it on again. He had a really poor start to the season. A lot of, you know, Red Sox hitting prospects were, Faring well to start the season, and he was not one of them, but he's turned it on as of late. Let's see what his stat line's up to. Overall, it, this is in low A, Salem, 254, 313, 401. Th- only three home runs, but 15 doubles in 45 games, 14 walks to 34 Ks. My expectation on him hasn't really changed. I think he overperformed a bit last year. I think he's a good power bat that is still a bit flawed as a pure hitter, how that hit tool develops moving forward is going to be huge and kind of really determined if he makes it. Cause we've seen guys that have power like his just not pan out because they can't make enough contact. And we'll see, I think he will at least enough to get to the major leagues, whether he's a starter or not long-term, I don't know, but I don't know. I'm still kind of kind of feeling him out. See how I feel that hit hit tool is going to progress. But uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah. What's his overall 
strikeout rate. Because I'm looking since May 1st. Since May 1st, it's just 13.7% K rate, which is encouraging. That's overall, really it's Overall, it's 17.4. Okay. I mean, super encouraging month of May and into June. 8% walk rate, 13.7% K rate, 311, 359, 491 slash. Good for a 134 WRC+. plus. Only two home runs, but as you mentioned, plenty of extra base hits, which has been excellent. The the powers come the powers there and it'll it'll be coming. You know, this is kind of a I don't know, I want to compliment Bobby Dahlbeck with, you know, less strikeout stuff. That's kind of what he is. Like I think there's power here and I think there's potential to be a solid hitter as well. So I'm kind of buying it. I think his upside is 30 home runs, maybe like a 270 type batting average. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all. And, you know, I think he keeps the strikeouts in check and is a really solid bat. You know, he's, you know, remember he's still young and he's still progressing. So he yeah. was one of the younger ones in that 2020 draft class. Like he pretty sure he reclassified to get in that class or he was just one of the youngest there. He was 17 when he was drafted. So that's obviously important to note there. So yeah, I'm, I like Blaze. I think he's still a top 100 guy in my opinion. I do too. I, I like Blaze. I'm still kind of trying to feel him out, but his contact rate is actually higher than I thought. His contact rate right now is 80.8%, which is pretty solid. So uh, maybe I was a little harsh uh, in dropping him down to like the 150 range of my rankings. He was around 100 to start the season. So I mean, it might be a good time to buy low on him because the surface stats are still kind of, you know, it's kind of so so right now. So underlying metrics are definitely backing up a uh, better performance moving forward so could tend to buy low on him for sure uh, next question here what are your thoughts on jackson churio he has been gaining tons of hype as the season goes along chris what are your thoughts on mr churio i mean it's hard not to be excited like this is someone who really shouldn't be at the level that he is i mean he was supposed to be an extended spring training and you know three more hits today including a home run He's 18 years old. That slash is up to 371, 417, 595, which is you know pretty excellent. He just keeps performing. And, you know, most players his age are in extended spring training, especially, you know, a lot of these international class. So I think the Churio is the best prospect in the Brewers system at this point. I, I mean, I'm I know that's a lot of stock in 119 whatever plate appearances in single A, but still I everything in his profile just looks excellent when you watch him and he produces man so i'm a big fan so i don't know i don't really know how high to go on him at this point but there's a reason he's gaining a ton of hype i really hope that joey weimer's father aka casey bubba is listening right now because he's probably very upset that you just said that chris <laughs> Put him ahead of still. good up ahead of weimer our boy i love the, weimer the man the myth the legend joey hey have we chanted Jackson Churio's name in an AFL game. No, we have not. No, I'm just kidding. I still have, you know, I, I love Weimer. I love Churio as well. Like everything you've heard has been absolutely glowing. The, you know, the metrics all back it up as well. But again, I just add that little bit, you know, the little bit of cold water. And it's nothing to do with Churio. It's more to do with Milwaukee, where we've heard this similar things about Hedbert Perez. We've heard you know, similar things about like Garrett Mitchell. Like, this is not the first time we've had a hyped up Milwaukee hitting prospect and look how it's worked out. I, just, I don't have a lot of faith in that Milwaukee organization. Again, that's nothing to do with Churio, very talented player, but just keep that, 
keep that in mind that Milwaukee just doesn't have a great track record recently, but he's definitely rising. He's top 100 and rising in a hurry. Could be top 50 here before too long. Where, where do you have him, Chris, just for reference? He's like right inside the top 100, but could probably go higher. <laughs> yeah, I think he's right. I forget where I have him. He's right in that top 100 range for sure. All right, last question here to wrap up the show, and it's, it's a pretty good one. Well, these all have been good ones, obviously, but we end with this. Who do you predict to be the next prospect to climb out of the top 50 into the top 25 by year's end, like Ezekiel Tovar? I think you're already seeing another one happen here with Ellie De La Cruz. We've seen the feel for hitting get a bit better while the you know the K rates come down a little bit. Walker's got up a little bit. Like these aren't huge improvements, but he's making slow, you know, extramental gains there while maintaining that power speed. So I think LED Cruz is going to be in that top twenty-five very soon. Chris, why don't you give? Why don't you give one here? We'll, we'll go back and forth, give a few before we close up the show. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Christian Hernandez gets a huge bump. You know, we see him debut. Yep. And we're going to see him soon as complex ball kicks off. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him be one that really blows up and is is in that range before long. So I'd watch out for Christian Hernandez. Obviously, a lot of hype there, but I think the hype could get even higher. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's his swing is so beautiful. If you haven't taken a, a look at his swings, go go take a look. It's very powerful, very quick, compact, but all all in control as well. Like, like, what's the term I've used before? Oh, quietly explosive or something like that. I forget the term I used to use a lot, but yeah, he definitely has it. So love Hernandez here. I think, and I think he's not going to get the as much hype as these other guys, but performance-wise, Austin Wells is jumping up in a hurry for me. Like, whether he's, he's a catcher long-term, who knows? I think he could, but he's hitting for average, hitting for power, even stealing you know, a, few, a few bags, showing a very good approach. So I think Austin Wells is another one that's going to continue to rise up rankings here. I have him at 40 overall right in the middle of this cluster. I think, I think I'm in the minority here that I have him right with Alvarez, right with Moreno, right with Henry Davis. I think he's just as good as these guys and maybe even has higher upside than he might have the highest upside for fantasy purposes of all of these catchers, not named you know, Adley Rushman. So I think Wells is another one that's going to continue to rise here for sure. Yeah, it's a fair statement. I mean, even we we I talk about Churio, but Joey Weimer is one that could, and he just keeps performing, hitting for high average. He's twelve home runs, twelve steals on the year. Like that's you know pretty good for someone. They said that said couldn't hit because his leg kick and the way he loads and everything like that. I mean, he just keeps performing. So shoot, I I mean maybe I'm wrong to say Churio is the best prospect in that system. I mean, <laughs> Weimer's just doing it, man. He's solid he OBP, solid average, and Power speed is really undeniable, and keep proving the doubters wrong, man. Even though he's got near 30% K rate, like, I'm not that worried. He's still getting the job done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they have a lot, a lot of talented outfielders in the system, that's for sure. Uh, I'll give two more here, both outfielders in the same organization. Pete Crow Armstrong, you know, very polished hitter, plus hit tool, plus speed, developing power. I think he could be at least 50 power long-term. He's hitting for power, speed, you know, hitting for a high average this year, getting on base, keeping the K rate in check. So he's the one that's flying up her in a hurry. And then a guy that's really starting to heat up of late, Kevin Alcantara is heating up as well. Another big power speed guy. K rate's still a little high, but you know, he's a guy that's showing some slight 
you know, improvements as a pure hitter, has that big power speed blend. So he's another guy that I think is going to be, he's probably the lowest. I think he actually is the lowest on the list so far of all the names I've mentioned at least, but I think a guy that could be top 25 by year's end as well. Yeah, those are great names. Already got PCA inside the top 30, so I'll yeah, his bat. So, I, I got him 34 right now. Yeah, he's he's every bit legit. So I'll give a, a deep guy my last one, and that's Emmanuel Rodriguez. I think that, you know, he's still just getting the job done, and his bat at ball metrics are like through the roof. So good power, good speed. Emmanuel Rodriguez, if this continues, could really make a jump like from – way outside the top 50 to maybe I would say he can jump into the top 50. I wouldn't say top 25 by the end of this year, but I mean, shoot, he's, he's been really good. Yeah, he definitely has. That's for sure. All right. That is going to wrap us up. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions we didn't get to a handful of them. We kind of ran out of time. We'll try to answer those on Twitter, but thank you to everyone that submitted questions. There was a ton of great ones. We'll do another one of these in the next month or two. We'll kind of sprinkle these episodes in throughout the season. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed, of course. And you can check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. 